Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former D3 student athlete and co-host... Ryan! Find us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at TheFinalScore35. There is always plenty to run through, but before we get to it, a word from our presenting sponsor. Team Anders' goal is to serve its clients in finding the home that best fits their needs and make the process simple and fun along the way. They are a team of people who will be in close communication personally taking care of your real estate needs through technology, marketing, and advertising. Team Anders has served thousands of clients over 30 plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. Well, this is a day late, but it won't be a dollar short. We broke the sleep on it and 24-hour rules by recording an angry podcast right after Michigan State blew a golden opportunity at Illinois last night only to have the recording up and vanish like a fart in the wind. Never mind that, though. We still have plenty to say about the Champagne Crumble, an absolutely epic NFL Divisional Playoff weekend, and a lot more. So, let's get to it. Ryan, the lectern is yours. Yeah, we're going to start with uh, NFL this week. Shout out to the boy, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Staff Daddy Matt Stafford. Um, we all knew he had had this in him. Um, right, Detroit Lions fans, we knew it. Um, you know, back in Detroit, he just he had bad teams, and he led them to the playoffs two or three times, and wasn't able to win any any playoff games. He's won two um, so far with with the Rams, and um, obviously they blew a blew a lead there. Um, and then at the end, Stafford leads him on the game winning drive. Um, just unbelievable. The guy's a, a complete baller. Um, we all knew he had it in him. He showed it in Detroit for all his years. The Ford screwed him. Bad coaching screwed him. Went through like four or five coaches in his whole 12 years there. Um, just had didn't have all the pieces pieces to it. And he finally has that with the Rams and have a good chance of getting to the Super Bowl and probably winning it, to be honest with you. Um, and I'm just so happy for him. Uh, all Lions fans should be happy for him, not salty or anything like that, because he deserves this. He put in his time. And trust me, he put in his time in Detroit. So you deserve this, Matt. We're happy for you. Hope you go get that that Super Bowl berth that you couldn't ever, could never ever do in Detroit. Yeah, and Lions fans, just cherish this one. Root for the Rams because this this may be as close as we get for a while. All right, my podium. Speaking of football and the great weekend that was, can we all agree right here, right now? that the NFL has to change its approach to overtime. I mean, I know this happened three years ago in Kansas City to Mahomes and the Chiefs. To them, this time it was a benefit to them. You know, back then when Brady and the Pats got the ball first and scored a touchdown to win the AFC Championship game. And I get it. It's just the rules of engagement these days. But really, we're going to settle the most epic NFL game, playoff or regular season ever, by virtue of a coin toss. I mean, that, that's really what it comes down to. With that last two minutes of regulation or so, where 25 points was scored, in fact, I think it was a minute and 52 or a minute 54, you knew damn well first team with the ball was going to win. So what? So let's change it. The more recent rules changes for overtime are better than the pure sudden death that used to be, 
think back to the Lions game. I think it was on Thanksgiving when Pittsburgh called the toss right. They gave the ball to the Lions, and the Lions won. I mean, at least we're not there. Um, but there is a simple solution to this issue, which has now been twice in the last four playoff seasons. Both teams get a possession. Period. From there, if there isn't a you know, if there isn't a winner. Field goal, otherwise, whatever. So if the Chiefs go down and score a touchdown, Bills get a chance to come down and tie it Then and, and say they do, you keep going. And then it's pure sudden death. That's fine. Um, I, I just, I, I think we've seen it now twice, like I said, in four years, and it's clear that it needs to change to be more fair. I mean, you're sitting there watching a Josh Allen who had an amazing game, couldn't even get a chance at it. And I get it. Those are the rules now. No bitching about that. Bills fans will probably disagree with that but you know and the thing is is college could adopt this too and like the nfl regular season be okay with a tie if the extra period does, isn't settled with a winner college does this stupid crazy two-point conversion nonsense trying to avoid Rodeo. injury just in a regular season thing make it 10 minutes like it is in the nfl each team gets a possession and then you play it out from there um, we spend so much time reviewing every little play and nuance of the game of football let's fix a problem that preempted what could have been another epic few possessions of football in the best game ever. All right, moving on to our tee-up of the week. A couple different choices here, and they're related. One, we're going to talk a little bit about more in the actual around-the-world segment on College Hoops, but we got a tee-up, one of Monty Bates and his pops. Ryan, you have the exchange up that you can... Read to us, and you'll know what we're talking about if you don't know about this already. <clears throat> yep, so uh, this was uh, a couple days ago, I think maybe Friday or Saturday. Um, so so Tippin Edits, who creates um, you know basketball edits for recruits and stuff like that, posted a, a, a picture on Instagram. It says, ESPN's way too early 2023 NBA mock draft thoughts. Amani commented on it and said, Stop effing disre- disrespecting me, Because they dog. picked him t- to go 20th, right? Or something 23rd, like that. 23rd, I think. Stop effing disrespecting me, dog. 100 symbol. And a guy commented on and said, Adamani, you would be thriving right now if you came to MSU. And he said, ask Izzo why. What does that mean, Amani? Exactly. Because Michigan State didn't give you a, a million dollars to be right. a piece of <clears throat> Because Michigan State would expect you to play a team game and not just stand outside 20 feet from the basket like when I've watched Memphis you play with a pout on your face and when you get the ball, you just chuck. I mean, Joke. you were not a fit for Michigan State. I've said it on this podcast. I've said it before the podcast was around. You might have been a, quote, phenom as an eighth grader, but for as unicorn-like as you are, I'll tell you why you're, you're a unicorn because you're 6'10 with guard skills. That doesn't make you a unicorn. You're a 6'10 with about a 6'7 wingspan. That's what makes you a unicorn. I'm sorry, but 6'10 players with guard skills are a dime a dozen anymore. You you are where you are because you followed the money. Because I guarantee you, as much as yeah, maybe Izzo would have said, fine, we can work with you. I don't think he would have wanted to work with you. I'm glad you don't play for Michigan State. I hope Memphis sucks the rest of the way. And you saying stuff like that as an immature 18-year-old just makes it even worse. So shut up, tee up, get out. And by the way, to his dad too, who weighed in, feels a lot like Marcus Taylor, early 2000s for you know Michigan State, whose dad got way too involved in a great player, left Michigan State too early thinking he was better than he was. He was great, but left way too early. And I think he's selling pantyhose down in Toledo to borrow a line from Dave Mad Dog DeMarco. 
All right, let's go around the world. We'll start as we always do, or at least we have been doing since hoop season started. Let's talk Big Ten and a little bit of NCAA hoops. Um, certainly since we talked yesterday, we were very focused on one thing in particular, which we will be, of course, again. But a few more games have happened today. Some other news happened in the in college basketball, namely Chris Mack taking the heave-ho from Louisville. Um, <clears throat> never got off the ground there. Took a dirty situation he had his own dirty stuff going on. I don't know what's going on with that, but we we're already in the in the uh, you know Maryland let go of their coach. Now Louisville's without a coach. That's a couple of big programs that are uh, having guys that are available uh, or jobs available. So Ryan, beside that, give us a little bit of a rundown on what's what since we talked last week. Yeah, we'll go through the Big Ten. So Rutgers close win against Iowa last week. Low scoring in the forties. That's not what Iowa wants to do. Is probably why they lost. They're probably mad. Yeah, leading scoring team in the Big Ten. I think. One I really want to talk about, the rivalry, Indiana-Purdue. Um, Indiana finally gets over the hump. First win against them since 2016. Euphoria in Bloomington. Court storm. Uh, Rob Finnessy, the hero with the game-winning three. Purdue had a good look at it at the end. Um, kind of hung there Almost forever, went in with, like with, with Ivy, Ivy. But Indiana finally gets over the hump. Mike Woodson does something that Archie Miller couldn't do in four seasons. Um so, I mean, they're happy with that, obviously. Um, big win for them. Um, you know, Purdue didn't look great for a lot of that game, to be honest with you. I mean, just weird. They, they, they're either really good or they're not good. I mean, I feel like that's every team right now. They're either on and you're super good or you're bad and you're usually pretty In bad. In a theme for this week's podcast, Indiana played the majority of that game without a dinged-up Trace Jackson Trace. Davis. He, he got in foul trouble early, but... He was also dinged from kind of a nasty spill at Nebraska earlier in the week. And so without him, clear-cut their best player. Now, Indiana is a pretty decent team. They've got some nice pieces and parts, but he's their best player. And they won without him, and Purdue just did. They look kind of out of sorts. I mean, Purdue's an enigma to me. Like, top to bottom, I look at them, and I still would say still they're, the, the, best they're the best team in the Big Ten. I mean, there's they should be walking with it. I think we picked them like 17-3. and three. Yeah. Um Something's not firing quite right. I don't know if they just don't, you know, maybe this will get their attention. I I don't know, but, you know, hats off growing up in, you know, kindergarten through fifth grade in Indiana and loving Bob Knight and Candy Stripes, Steve Alford and, and the Hoosiers. I mean, it was a great to see them, great to see this court storm it was reminiscent of the Kentucky game where Christian Watford buried the three at the buzzer. Um, bigger yet because it's Purdue and they hadn't beaten them in, what, nine tries. So, yeah, um, a long time. You know, good one there. But then, of course, Indiana follows that up with a Lady the proverbial egg. egg lay at home against Michigan, who suddenly has a little bit of momentum. I mean, they barely hung it. They the blew fake a, COVID. Blew a, yeah, fake COVID for sure. Blew a big lead tonight, 15-point lead to Northwestern in the second half, got down six, and then somehow found a way to win at the end, setting up a battle with Michigan State, um, I, you know, I don't know. I'm still not that impressed with them. They chickened out of playing Michigan State and Purdue. I'm standing by that. I don't think they're going to make up that game, those two games. So, you know, we'll see what goes on. But, Ryan, keep going with your Big Ten synopsis. Yeah, Friday, um, Maryland big win over Illinois. Um, you know, blew them out. Um, Illinois was down Kofi. No, no Kofi, but they had Curbelo. Correct. And then Maryland also last night, big win over Rutgers on the road. They're suddenly – 
at, after losing like six of seven, um, won two in a row, and you know I think they're eleven and nine now. I mean, still a lot of work to do, but with the teeth, their Big Ten schedule coming up. But you know, and looking a little more respectable there. Momentum is a good thing. Um, you know, uh, moving to Saturday, we'll talk Michigan State here in a second. Minnesota shorthanded win over Rutgers. Michigan, don't give me that excuse. Um, oh, we couldn't have played Michigan State. We couldn't have played. We didn't have enough guys. Minnesota was down three players, three guys that play a lot of minutes. They only go about seven deep, which means two guys off the bench. And they won against Rutgers, who had been playing pretty dang well up until that point. Um, huge win for Minnesota. They're 11 and 5. They're now. in the discussion. They're in the discussion on the bubble right now. We thought they would go 1 and 19 in the Big Ten. Great for them. Ben Johnson, good coach. Looking good. Iowa bounced back. Big win over Penn State uh, by 17 on Saturday. And then obviously we talked about Michigan beating Indiana. Looked a little better. Um, kind of the team that we thought they would more like be. Um, and then Purdue turned around and beat Northwestern pretty good. Um, and then uh, last night, um, Michigan State. Uh, we'll talk Michigan State from Friday because that was really good. You know, I think that's the best they'd played all year from, I mean, aside from the first couple minutes. Um, played really, Yeah, really four turnovers well. in the first, or whatever it was, in the first four minutes and looked like garbage. We're down 8 nothing, Ryan, and I actually missed that having a discussion. And then... Uh, Came in and they're like, okay, they're down, and then they just went nuts after that. Played took care so of the well. I mean, Hogarth actually made me not dislike him. Made for a game. shots, played tough, made winning plays. You know, they got rebounds, made got things happen. They didn't, they didn't flinch when things kind of went sideways a little bit. They responded. Aiken to, stepped up when when the, you know Wisconsin went on a typical run to start to cut into it, and he answered with back to back threes. Christie played well. Hauser even played well. Bingham played better, at least early. Walker and I think Walker and Hogard combined at like 24 points, 10 assists, or 12 assists, or something yeah, like that in that game. I mean, a really good game and limited turnovers. You know, Izzo became the third winningest coach in terms of road AP top 10 double digit wins behind Dean Smith and Mike Krzyzewski. Uh, and then it set up really, really well. To get to the other side of the spectrum, to go to Illinois, yep, down Kofi, down Kofi, down and Curbello. down Curbelo, who had been out for a long time with concussion, then was in protocol, presumably because of COVID or something. Michigan State, I guarantee you, walked out, saw both those guys not suited up, and went, "We got this in the bag." Never mind the fact that the Orange Crush is a tough crowd. Shout out Polo was there, drove, made the drive down to Champaign, said the crowd was nuts, it was loud, it was one of the better crowds he's been to in quite a while. Um, no excuse for Michigan State to lose that basketball Lady game. Man. Just none. And they did what they did against Northwestern. They played down to the level of the competition who was down their best player. In this case, their best two players. They let guys that had no business beating them beat them. And did they fight? Did they claw back? Did they get there? In the last 10 in minutes. In the last 10 minutes, it yes. Was, let me jump in here. I think it was, it was a piss-poor performance. It showed to me that Michigan State's got a long way to go. Um, just mind-boggling the decisions made in Izzo's rotation. I, his rotations are garbage. Marcus Bingham played 18 minutes, and in the 18 minutes that he played, Michigan State was 19 points better with him on the court. Yet he wasn't in for most of the the end of that game. Malik Hall only played 21 minutes. He scored or assisted on Michigan State's last 12 or 15 points. I couldn't remember. Saw that on Twitter somewhere. Played 21 minutes. Joey Hauser, who played okay. I mean, he did all right. Got burned on defense, missed a few bunnies, 
typical, but he played 24 minutes at the four spot and a little bit at the five. Unacceptable by Izzo. He's playing Hogard again, who is just complete garbage. He's back to his normal self, turning it over, making Blaming stupid decisions, playing bad defense. Dude, stop. You suck. You're so bad. You finally, we thought you'd turn the corner against Wisconsin. Maybe we're going to start playing better. No. No. Back to normal. Michigan State's got issues. Not a tough team. They let things happen. They got punched in the mouth. They didn't respond. And at the end, they're finally like, oh, well, we might as well start playing now. Held Illinois scoreless the last five and a half minutes and still lost. That's embarrassing. Yeah. It's an embarrassing loss for Michigan State. It leaves me wondering. 15-4, and four, really good, right? I don't know. Uh, is it are they a paper tiger? Maybe. I mean, they play Michigan Saturday. That's not going to be easy. Michigan, obviously, tonight struggled a little bit. They're going to be ready for it. Northwestern has played, I saw tonight. They played everyone tough, I think really. seven of their Big Ten losses have been by single digits. I mean, they've been a tough they've team. They've been tough. They have been and tough. they beat Michigan State. But they did. And they've been a tough team, but still. And then Michigan State goes to Maryland next week, who's playing well. Then Rutgers the next Saturday. Could be trouble. It could be. Yeah, you know, some people will say, oh, well, if they just made the free throws, you know, Bingham against uh, Northwestern. Or it's, another, it's a turnover issue. But it's, that's not why it's Michigan turnover. State lost. It's I mean, that's, that's the last picture that you have of those missed games. Missed assignments. But here's the thing. Those were avoidable situations if the Spartans take better damn care of the ball, don't make other lazier, stupid plays. I'm talking about you, Gabe, with that boneheaded goaltending in that the first half. Of the game. You want to point to something, screw the free throw. That was an easy bucket, waved off because he touched the rim. Inexplicably. Had plenty of chance to pull his arm back and just brush his head on the net. So what? I, I mean, it's just that kind stupid. of stuff that's like, I get it. Like, guys miss shots. I get that. I don't blame Max. Max had a tough shooting night last night. I don't. He took one ill-advised one later in the game, which I thought that's not the time to try to get shoot-or-shoot thing going. But, you know, I don't blame him for having a cold night. This comes down to details. Personnel decisions, like Ryan said, that's on coach. I mean, it happened with Marble the last seven minutes or so of the Northwestern game when he was owning them, and Joey Hauser couldn't guard a hunk of crumpled Kleenex, let alone Gumposaurus Rex for Northwestern. And then last night, you got Joey again. Now, Illinois is a little bit more small ball without Kofi, but you had Bingham, who's changing shots on defense and is a threat to score on offense and was attacking the rim and getting to the free throw line and making his free throws, I, 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 I just don't get it. Turnovers, shot selection, hustle. The passive nature with which Hogard handles the freaking basketball absolutely drives me nuts. And if you wonder how nuts it drives me, ask any of my Michigan State buddies in our group pound, chat. Because pound, I just, pound. oh, he dribbles that air out of the basketball. Learned that from Steve Marley when I was coaching Ryan Young. Dribble with a purpose. You better be going somewhere. Otherwise, don't freaking dribble. And then don't kill your dribble. Hogard is the king of that. Brown, a senior leader. He's been a no-show on both ends lately. He got burned a few times early in that game last night. He made a, a big three you know, later in the game. His threes have been short. He's He attacked the rim a little bit better yesterday. So do that more. Stop settling for threes. Um, you know, you can't wait to play in a game. Defense, rebounding, hustle, smart decisions, that is a get-go thing from the get-go. You, there's no excuse to not do those things. And I'm going to make up a word here. The passivity uh, that Michigan State played with at Illinois is the difference between a two-game lead on the conference. 8-0 with 12 games left and actually probably 11 games left because Michigan's going to never play that game, that other game that we they owe us. And 
And now they're looking at much more likely a fourth to sixth place finish. And that's inexcusable. Now all of a sudden Purdue's one game out. Illinois is technically a half game ahead of Michigan State. And they're in it. And they won the head-to-head. I think they play again maybe. Yeah. I mean, all the work you did at Wisconsin to make up for a month of really crappy basketball, you just undid with the way you played for 30 minutes last night. And I get it. You're not going to play tip-top perfect for 40 minutes. But damn it. Show up and play for 36. Is it that hard, you know, to have maybe just a couple lapses, especially when their two best players aren't there? What's going to happen when we play them the next time? We're going to have to hack a shack with Kofi because there's nobody that we have. Bingham, pretty good position wise, but he's going to get bullied. I mean, that was a prime chance to get a good road win, even against an undermanned team. It's inexcusable. It's It's ridiculous. And I do, I mean, there's a lot of things to blame on players. But I do blame Izzo for some of the decisions, you know, the levers he's pulling lately in some of these games. It's just like they're, they're head scratching. It's not a little time to teach a lesson when you're trying to win a Big Ten title. No. I get that, but that's for Ride when, or die with Walker. That's for when you're playing against High Point and Western. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. not against Illinois when you have a close game on the road that you need to win to be a, a high seed in March and to, to win a conference title and be in the in the hunt and you lose and you know there's the Big Ten is a gauntlet it really is and you know what I, it's not going to get any easier it's not it's just not and this scares me because if Michigan State continues on this trend it's going to find itself back in the bubble like it was last year sweating it out at the end having to win games against really good teams down the stretch I don't know they it un- scares me they undo too much good with too much bad and, and the thing it shouldn't balance the biggest out thing that. with Michigan State is you know I, I've always said it I, coaches have always said it I've always thought it when I played. I can live with a loss. If you're playing hard, you leave it all out there. You can, I mean, like sometimes the ball just doesn't fall your way. You miss shots. You know, the other team's hot, whatever. Michigan State, let that happen to them. They got punched in the mouth and they sat, they laid down and died. They didn't care until it was it was basically over. Right, they until they're down 15, 16 points with 10 minutes to go. So, Ryan, let me ask you this question, and then we'll talk a little bit about other NCAA stuff because i got another heated topic to bring up, and we've got a little audio to play, too. So from a player perspective, why is it that teams struggle like Michigan State at, at Illinois, Illinois undermanned, Purdue at Indiana, kind of technically Indiana, at least slightly undermanned for what they usually have. I mean, it seems like game in and game out. And a lot. And this isn't just the Big Ten. It's not just Michigan State, but it happens a lot. Why does that happen? How does that happen? How, does, how do you go in – Having coming off a game like the Wisconsin game, and the team you're playing, even though it's at their house, their two best players aren't playing. How do you come in and lay an egg like that? To me, it's honestly it's it's a lack of focus, which attributes to a lack of mental toughness. Um, you know, I think that's always been a thing. You know, you just are like, oh, you know, look at it. oh, if you're they're not there, I'm, I'm we just can show up and win. It doesn't matter what we do, we can just win. That's not how it works, especially in high level of college basketball. I mean, you can't just show up and expect to win because everyone's good. Everyone's on scholarship. Or kind of like Michigan State and, and Pitt, right? In the Cotton Bowl, Pitt's looking at it like, oh, they don't have Kenneth Walker, no, no big deal. And we're like, they don't have Kenny Pickett, no big deal. And they're we knock out their second string quarterback, oh yeah, no big deal. And their third stringer almost beat us, right? Like, I don't. I agree. I think it's a focus and a mentality thing. It's just. You can't have that and be ready for March. I get it. It's January. You know, Izzo is Mr. March. But I've got to see some fundamental things change with this team 
Like, no more turn it over in droves for a half. I mean, they were fine. They only had two turnovers, I think, in the second half. Great. Well, why can't that be the case in both halves? Because we're not talking, like, forced turnovers. Illinois came in dead last in forced turnovers per possession. And Michigan State was given it to them, like a, you know, given crack candy to a crackhead. I mean, it was just it was ridiculous. And this was like, here, you take it and go. I mean... They're lazy passes. They're people not paying attention. They're stepping out of bounds. I mean, uh, I could go on and on, and this could be a whole podcast about that. But we'll we'll back off that. Ryan, anything else hoops wise, big picture NCAA Auburn. Auburn's a good team. I, I they mm, squeaked really nice one out team. last night against Missouri. I, I'm very impressed by them. They're really good. UCLA last night pounded Arizona. By 18 points. Yeah, UCLA is waking up, I think, they're, at the right yeah, time. They, those two teams are both really good, but UCLA, is, I think yeah. when they're on, they're going to be a scary team They're going to be tough to beat. I, think, I still think better than, even though Gonzaga smoked them, I think, I think, I still think, like, I talk about Purdue being the best team in the Big Ten. I still think, at least on paper, in kind of the little bit that I've watched them and the talent that they have and the pieces and parts, UCLA is the best, I think still the best overall team Come March in college basketball, and I think without knowing the draws and all that kind of stuff, you know, all that weighs into it and contributes. But I would say right now they would be my favorite to be the team, um, especially with their experience from last year and the guys that they have. Yeah. So my, the kind of not just mine, the final beef that we have in college basketball segment, and then we'll move on to around the world slot too, is it's got to do, let's go back to Imani, you know, my favorite not player and recruit a topic that has been kind of fun. We haven't talked about it as much lately, but my beef has to do with one Penny Hardaway and his AAU 2.0 approach at Memphis and its relationship to how NIL is tied in there and how that's going to set back college basketball in a lot of ways. I mean, Penny's outburst in a way is just kind of the 50,000 foot view of how, NIL is going to ruin and undermine the game in a lot of key ways. Because mind you, Imani, and then I can't remember the other who's the other top recruit that they had. Dylan Duran, um, you know, came in basically FedEx money. Yep, that's right, legal ish, I guess. I don't know technically. Um, and listen to what he had to say. I'm picturing him before Ryan plays this. I'm picturing him strolling into the the game and then the press conference. And if you've been an AAU dad or an AAU coach like me, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm picturing him. Cargo shorts, wrinkly untucked polo shirt, got a baby Bjorn on the front. He's got a cup of coffee maybe with a little bit of something, something whiskey or something in his left hand. He's pushing a stroller with his right, kind of rocking the baby back and forth during got the, the game. Bluetooth piece he's in. got the Bluetooth. He's talking to his boys while he's trying to yell the you know, obscenities at his players to play harder, to play better. Picture that, and then listen to what he had to say in his press conference the other day. So this is audio. I think this was Friday. I, what after they lost? Saturday, I think. I guess it was I after they it. lost. That's all I know. One second, let me pull it up here and get actually. Excuse me. Here we go. I think the one thing I can say to this media because this media gets kind of up sometimes when it comes to me. We don't have our full roster. Y'all know we don't have right. our full roster. Stop asking me stupid questions about if I feel like I can do something. If I had my roster like they did, then I feel like I can do whatever I want to do. I'm coaching really hard. My boys are playing really hard. I'm not embarrassed about nothing. We have four freshmen starting. 
Y'all need to act like it. Act like we got 17, 18, and 19 year olds out here trying to learn how to play against 22, 23, and 24 year old guys. Come on, man. Stop disrespecting me, bro. Like, don't do that. I work too hard. I work way too hard for that. Y'all write all these articles about me, and all I do is work. We got young kids on the floor. They got young kids on the floor. Yeah, let's unpack that. Young kids on the floor. I got four freshmen out there. Uh, hello, Penny. Unless you're playing Wisconsin last year, you don't have a bunch of 24-year-olds out there. So this is not an NBA game. So check that. You've got two of the supposed top recruits coming in the NCAA this year. I don't care if they're 18 and 19 and freshmen or not. You're, what, 17 games in and you're still bad? I've watched you play this year. You can't coach. Your players stand around. They're selfish. I, I, you fired Sheed, you know, pride of Detroit, you know, won a world championship with the Pistons, I believe. Um, you know, pride of North Carolina, you fired him. You know, surefire guy that, oh, yeah, he's going to understand how to, you know, interact and get these guys to respect him. Don't tell me you're not you're a good coach. You're 0 for 4 for the tournament. There's no way you're going to get in this year unless you go on some absurd run and or win the American Conference postseason tournament. And by the way, if anybody has watched Memphis, you know that that's not possible. And if you haven't watched Memphis, just go watch them for five minutes and you'll know. Like, dude, shut up. You're what's wrong with college basketball. I know you were a stud back in your one-and-done or two-and-done days at Memphis, and you had a great NBA career, and you had Little Penny and all that stuff. But, dude, shut up. Coach your guys. They disrespect the game by standing around. Imani is the number one culprit with his dopey look and like, oh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And, oh, I got the rock, I'm going to chuck. I mean, that stems from coaching. That stems from culture. You ain't got it. You can be frustrated. You can yell at the media all you want, but they have got you by the short and curlies because they are right. Yeah. All right. Thanks for playing that audio, Ryan. Um, let's move on to around the world spot two. We'll switch off of basketball for a bit, and we got to talk about NFL playoffs. I mean, let's let's just say this, in my opinion, was the best playoff weekend in for any pro sport. Ever, I mean, NFL aside, yes, but in any pro sport ever, period. Ryan, I know Pick'em Crown is going to you. We don't even need to worry about that anymore, so let's just focus on the games. What stood out to you this weekend, and which game this weekend are you most pumped to watch? Both this weekend. I think they're both really intriguing. I can't even pick one. you got to go with the, the Chiefs-Bills. I mean, I've never seen anything like that. Probably, probably the best football game I've seen, honestly, in a long time. If not the whole game, the definitely last Definitely the best 54. NFL game I've yeah. seen. I mean, Crazy. 25 points in the last two minutes of the game of regulation. Unbelievable. Chiefs go 46 yards in 13 seconds. Bills, what were you thinking? You have the best defense in, in the NFL, and you give up that many yards to allow a kick. And, hey, kudos to the kickers. Uh, four kickers that did their teams well. Yep. You know, three with game winners and one that tied it up and a crazy. But, I mean, break it down a little bit game by game. Ryan, kind of a little bit about what you thought and what you see out of the winners going into this weekend. Yeah, I think the Chiefs, I mean, they're extremely good. I think that, you know, the Bills also are going to be here to stay. I think it's a a budding rivalry. Allen versus Mahomes, two younger quarterbacks, um, just phenomenal talents. I think right now it's probably the most loaded at the top we've seen with quarterbacks 
um, in, in a long, long time. Yeah, throw Burrow in there. I mean, Mahomes, he's young too. Burrow, All guys are under twenty five. Rogers, Stafford, Tom Brady, Mahomes, Justin Herbert. Um, I mean, all these guys. The list goes on and on and on. It's just Jared Goff. Mac oh. Jones is a budding star. Um, I mean, Trevor Lawrence has a chance to be a budding star. I mean, all these guys, unbelievable. Aaron Rodgers. It, it, the list is it's ridiculous. Um, NFL's in, in good hands for a long time. But moving on to the other Sunday game, I guess we'll go backwards. Um, you know, the Rams. We talked all about it a little bit. Big lead, and then the the Buccaneers start coming back. You're like, oh, geez, this is the Falcons versus Patriots Super Bowl mm-hmm. all over again. Brady's going to get it, force overtime, and get a win and move on and maybe get to another Super Bowl. And then Matthew Stafford said, no, sir, not today. Not today, old man. Takes them down. Uh, the Rams look really good um, aside from down the stretch. It kind of got weird, started to unravel a little bit, weird turnovers, fumbles. Um Kind of a little really bit of a pucker way. factor weighed in, I yeah. think. But, I mean, they survived, and they are mm-hmm. they got a really good chance of getting to the Super Bowl and playing a division rivalry, an in-state rivalry against the, the Niners, who impressive win over Green Bay, just a gutsy performance, went into Lambeau, snow, wind, ice, Cold, zero with the wind chill. Win, um, without scoring an offensive touchdown. Unbelievable. Robbie Gold, the hero with the walk-off. They are a tough team, man. They are a tough team. They had to they just kind of gut it out to even get in the playoffs, win down the stretch, and they did that. And here we are. They're playing for um, for, for a Super Bowl berth for the second time in three years. I mean, it's you can't make that stuff up. But teams like that find a way to win. It's getting back to you find a way to win. Great teams find a way to win. They really do. And then first game, Bengals. I told you, the Titans, Paper Tiger, not great. Tannehill, garbage. Yeah, you look at all those teams with all those quarterbacks, and you look at Mahomes, Allen, and Burrow, all, I believe, 25 and younger. And then you got Tannehill, who's got to be, you know, probably late 20s at least, early early 30s. 30s. Tennessee's got to be going, maybe we go after Aaron Rodgers, maybe we try to draft somebody, although this year's quarterback draft class isn't that great. I mean, you're going to be on the outside looking in. And to a, you got a great running back, and Henry, just like the Colts have a great running back, um, Jonathan Taylor, and Jonathan Taylor, but and Carson Wentz, average quarterback, and quarterbacks are where it's at, especially in the AFC. And like Ryan said, Trevor Lawrence, you know, if they get the good coach and get things kind of going the right way, there, he's got the skill set. I, wow, wow, and I mean, we're talking in the Bengals game, Burrow was put on his ass nine times, a record for a playoff game, nine sacks allowed, and yet. He's got nice weapons in Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon and a good enough defense around him and a great rookie kicker. Um, they got they beat the Chiefs once already. I think they've got a they've got a good chance this weekend. And I, I said this to Ryan the other day when the when the Bengals were walking off with their win. This is before the Niners had even played. I just had this premonition: Bengals Niners rematch. I think it was I think it was the '82 Super Bowl at the Silverdome that they played first and then they played in the 88 or 89 I think it was 88 Super Bowl I don't remember where that game was but both 49ers wins but something kind of tells me that could be it but man I mean just four incredible games I've never seen a playoff weekend with four better games 15 point total differential that was a record for the divisional round 
The last two minutes of the Chiefs-Bills was the most intense, exciting football I've ever seen, period. I mean, I've been to like the Michigan State-Michigan game this year and how intense and exciting that was. This was just, especially without a dog in the fight, unbelievable to watch. Kind of reminded me of UCLA-Gonzaga in the Final Four last year, punching and throwing haymakers back and forth, and then you know they hit the half-court shot, Gonzaga, to, to win and go into the... Um, you know, into the NCAA finals is the same type of feel to this game. You know, the Chiefs first to host four straight AFC title games. Mahomes in his eight playoff games at home, seven and one, 23 touchdowns, one pick. <laughs> Beat that. I mean, and Josh Allen had five touchdowns in that game and, and I think over close to 400 yards and he still couldn't get the win. I mean, unbelievable. Believable. And what the note that I have to myself, as incredible as the weekend was for the NFL, and it put on, I think, a full-on display of what the CFP needs to be. Forget 12 teams. Make it eight. You saw right there, eight teams. Home field and play. Now, home field advantage only held out for one of the teams. Uh, but still, have home field and play. That's a way to maybe neutralize some things for the SEC. Imagine if they've got to come up and play in snowy Columbus or snowy East Lansing or Long shot if it ever happens again, snowy Ann Arbor. I mean, imagine that the fan, the fans that you would have, not just the neutral stuff, not where people have to travel. Do it that way, you know, and then move the natty to Saturday evening while we're at it. And while we're at that, how about we move the Super Bowl to four o'clock Eastern instead of nearly six forty-five because the game is already super long with all the halftime show and the commercials and everything. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I mean, this weekend sets up to be great. Rams Niners. 3.0, I believe the Niners have taken them out both times, right? Ryan, the Rams blew it in week 18 against yeah. them, allowing the 49ers to get in. Yep. Um, I could really see that game going either way because defense travels and the 49ers play great defense. I do think the Rams have too many weapons, though. I mean, they've got Akers back, although he put the ball on the turf a lot at Tampa. Cup, triple crown winner, wide receiver, receptions, yards, touchdowns. Stafford's playing great. They've got the three great levels on defense between Ramsey, Donald, and Von Miller. Um, I'm going to, as much as my premonition said Bengals 49ers and watch that be right, I'm going to go to the Rams in that game. And then it's hard to pick against the Chiefs. They're so good at home. That crowd is is crazy. The guy that they always show that looks like a rat. I don't know why. Is it Chuck E. Cheese? I don't know what's going on with that. But I think Cincinnati got their first I don't think. They got their first ever franchise road playoff win last weekend. I, st- I think they're still a, f- a year or two away from really truly contending and being in the mix. Yeah. Um, but, hey, you know, stranger Seems things have happened. Things. So I, I'm going to say that I think it will be a Chiefs-Rams, and I think it's going to be a hell of a Super Bowl. But yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if it was Niners-Bengals. I mean, yeah, what do you have, I, right? I, I'm the same thing as you, Chiefs Chiefs, um, and, and Rams there. But I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a mix Bengals-Rams and – Bengals 49ers, Chiefs 49ers, I don't know. And the thing, I, I'll say this, and we'll go to spot number three. The reason I don't get as bored with the Chiefs and Mahomes being in a Super Bowl again, if that comes so to fruition, fun. is because they, they are. It's just like when it was Brady, I mean, mad respect for Brady and what he did with the Patriots and stuff, but it was it was just like he was getting it done with, maybe that's what made it more impressive, pieces and parts and, you know, crazy small white slot receivers and crazy criminal tight ends and no running back that you've ever heard of. 
Maybe that's what made those even better, but I think because the Chiefs are so damn entertaining at all levels. I mean, the touchdown that the cheetah, human cheetah, had there uh, to put them back in the lead after the Bills took the lead was, I mean, his pure speed. He's a, he's a lightning in a jar. Ins- insanity. So that's why I'm not going to get tired of the Chiefs and just the way Mahomes changes. And by the way, they, people rave over his arm angles and all the sidearms. Stafford's, Stafford's been started doing that. that. Stafford's been doing that years. his whole career. So I, I, I will be rooting for the Rams uh, through and through because I do want to see Stafford get his. I think, um, you know, maybe make Lions fans feel a little bit good about themselves. Agreed. All right, moving on. Around the world, our Mount Rushmore spot. Per Ryan's pick this week, um, it's kind of his job to pick these, and if he runs out of ideas, you're going to have to hit him up on Twitter and give him some ideas. We're going to give you our all-time best NBA shooters. Ryan, you get first one, pick as number always. one, best shooter of my lifetime, all-time leader Arguably in three-point, Steph yeah. Curry. I think he's the best shooter ever. It's hard to argue with Unbelievable. that. Unbelievable. And the work that he puts into it, he's, he's, you know, he's, pretty, a, he's pretty undersized. Honestly, when you look at it, and just such a quick release. With a and, Davidson for crying And he can mind. shoot it from anywhere on the floor, for sure. All right, so I get the next two picks in the yep. in the snake draft. I got to go with, you know, even though he was a rival to my boy Magic Johnson starting in college, he was definitely a rival to my bad boys Pistons with the Celtics, Larry Bird. I, I mean, just at six foot nine, could absolutely stroke the rock from anywhere. I mean, back in the old day, three-point contests, that dude, he was unbeatable. He really was truly unbeatable. And my second pick, Reggie Miller. Absolute ice water in his veins. Played for the Pacers. Fun fact, his sister Cheryl Miller was an, uh, a cover of Sports Illustrated, I remember, in 1984. Played for the women's U.S. Olympic team. Went to USC. She might have been a better basketball player than Reggie Miller. That's how good their family was. But Reggie, just legendary trash talker on top of just... He kind of had that first amazingly quick release. Like, you know, that Steph kind of mimics a little bit. And, I mean, just a sick played shooter for a long to time, too. Did, did. And if he had played on maybe a, a more of a, a regular perennial contender, who knows what he would have done there, but... Definitely Reggie for my second pick. All right, I get two two awesome picks there. Um, go with with Ray Allen. Um, you know, unbelievable shooter. Um, people forget that he was a great great athlete early in his career too. When he played for the Bucks, um, also played for the SuperSonics, Celtics, um, and then the Heat. Just absolutely could fill it up. Man, weird kind of weird shot, but it went in and he could fill it up quickly. Unbelievable shooter. And then my second guy. Steph's running mate, Clay Thompson, unbelievable. I mean, the guy. I think yesterday was the five-year anniversary of his thirty-seven points in a quarter. Um, like a month ago was his his um, five-year, five or six-year anniversary of scoring fifty-seven points or something with like four dribbles. I mean, unbelievable moving without the basketball. If he had a shoulder square, the ball's probably going to go in the hoop. Unbelievable. I just, like, like His stroke is every same thing every time, just pure. pure. Out of all these shooters, honestly, like mechanics and everything, and like Ryan said that, you know, off of four dribbles, off the ball, the work that it takes off the ball, if you want to be a great shooter, just watch film of Clay, period. I mean, no, no doubt that these other guys are great shooters, but he has got everything in his shot and – Arguably, for my money, not statistically, but probably truly form-wise the best pure shooter, I think, in NBA history. 
All right, so for me, two more guys, a little OG, uh, Drazen Petrovic, uh, RIP, died in, tragically in a car accident, I think, back in 1993, just a few years into the league. He came from, you know, Croatia maybe or something like that. Dude could just flat out stroke the rock. Um, I mean, he was just on the up and up as his career was going. I mean, at the time, he was he was all over back when Keith Olbermann and um, – Dan Patrick had Sports Center, and Sports Center was must-watch TV. I mean, he was all over the Enfuego highlights. Just unbelievable. Shout-out to my boy, OPP, Mike Oppold. Saw you in Eugene a few years ago. Um, just by happenstance at the Michigan State-Oregon game. Think you're somewhere in the middle of the country now, Kansas City, Missouri, maybe something like that. Anyway, look, spitting image for Drazen, but didn't have a lick of the same talent. So had to give you a little shout-out there, OPP. But... Um, Drazen Petrovic for me. And my fourth pick, i kind of gone back and forth even since last night. It's kind of a toss-up for me. Both of them are more point guard, uh, pass-first guys, but incredible shooters. I'm going to stick with my original pick, and that's Mark Price, Georgia Tech, Yellow Jacket. Um, you know, especially of Cavs fame. When the Cavs were really pretty good in the 80s, and they had Brad Doherty, who ended up being a NASCAR announcer of all things. Um and they had um, Craig Elo, and there's the famous shot of Jordan winning the game five with that you know fist pump in the air. That was kind of the end of the Cavs, but when Mark Price was there and lightened things up um, in the beginning of the Bulls era, but you know Cavs never never got that championship or whatever back then. But Price could absolutely just fill it. And Ryan, who's your last? My last guy. Um... Kyle Korver, um, my guy that could fill that, played for a lot of different teams for the 76ers, for the, I think he played for the Jazz even, I mean, among others. I mean, he's, dude could fill the pure stroke. Um, yeah, just played, played in the league for a long time. I think he, no, I think he's done now, but he could stroke it. Honorable mention, J.J. Reddick. Yeah, another great shooter, even though he was a dookie. All right. Around the world, spot number four. Last week, we broke down Michigan State's schedule. We said we'd give you an early preview of the Big Ten schedule. We don't want to belabor this too long. It's way too early. Um, but let's give us, Ryan, give us a little bit of a, you know, one super early key out-of-conference and league matchup for every team as we look uh, way ahead to next season. All right, starting with the West uh, in letter order, Illinois. Um, pretty easy non-con slate, all home games, Wyoming, Virginia, Chattanooga. Um, you know, I think Yawn. the decent Big Ten schedule. I think they got a chance. Uh, we're going to do one game that could be a swing for them. Yeah, sure. We'll go Nebraska um, late October. I think that go, coming down the stretch, I think that's going to be a key game for them. Um, in bowl eligibility, I think they have a chance to get back to that six-win um, you know, mark there. Um, you know, five and seven this year close, you know, way ahead of schedule under Brett Bielma. So we'll see what happens uh, with the Illini. Um, the Hawkeyes here, pretty, eh, you know, Iowa State's always tough for them, rivalry game, but they got them at home. Also playing South Dakota State um, as well as Nevada in non-conference. Yawn. Uh, yeah, kind of boring for them. <clears throat> Big game, I think it's going to be Michigan um, week six there. Um, they play them at home. Probably going to be a night game. Uh, it should be fun for them, you know, payback for the Big Ten Championship. I think that's a big game early in the season for them to get started. Um, moving on to the Gophers, um, let's see here. They've got New Mexico State, Western Illinois, and Colorado. Colorado's a bit of an intriguing game, I guess. You know, I mean. Ish. Ish, Pac-12 I guess. game at least. Pac-12. 
for them, big game Wisconsin, last game of the year. You know, I think could maybe could be for the West. I don't know. They Ibrahim's coming back, Morgan's coming back, got some key, some other key guys coming back for fifth and sixth years. So it could be interesting for the Golden Gophers. Um, you know, who had a pretty good season this year, lost games they shouldn't have, and won some pretty good games there. Um, so you know, that's respectable for them. Ne- uh, Nebraska, a team that we've ripped on a lot on this podcast. <clears throat> Scott Frost is probably it if he doesn't make a bowl game. Um, you know. Uh, non-conference schedule: North Dakota, Georgia Southern, and Oklahoma. That's kind of a, a arguably cool probably the best Big Ten non-conference game of all fourteen teams. Right yeah, there. I mean that's a really good one. They start the season actually against Northwestern Week Zero in Dublin, so that's kind of interesting. Um, should be fun there for them. Big game. I think it's got to be uh, Wisconsin second to last game, swing game to get to a bowl game. Um, with with easy ones before that, so we'll see what happens with them. Northwestern team that struggled this year, and I think is going to struggle again next year. Easy non-conference slate: Duke, um, Southern Illinois, as well as Miami, Ohio. I'll say for them, the biggest game's going to be Illinois because it's a seems rivalry like they game. always play those out of conference teams. Yeah, too. rivalry game. They're not going to be anything to write home about. Purdue. Um, Opens the season with Penn State. That's an intriguing game to me, I think, just to start. Purdue had a pretty good year. Probably going to be a top 25 team coming into next year. Aiden O'Connell's coming back. Good good pieces. You know, they're getting better. We'll see what happens. I feel like every time they have expectations, they just don't. Be yeah, I mean, team. they lose some guys, though, too. Carlos David and, Bell. You know, and David Bell. But still, but I mean, so. it's still a tough team. You know, yep. non-conference games of Indiana State, Syracuse, and Florida Atlantic. So Yarn. pretty easy. Then Wisconsin, um, you know, I think big game for them is going to be, you know, I think Michigan State, at Michigan State, middle of the season, that's a big one for them. Um, you know, at Michigan State hasn't played Wisconsin much lately, so that should be kind of fun. Uh, non-conference games of Illinois State, Washington State, and New Mexico State, playing the state teams there. Um, should be decent for the Badgers, probably a 3-0 start. And then they play Ohio State week four to start the Big Ten season. Another really... Really intriguing game there. Switching over to the East, Indiana starts their Big Ten play with Illinois. Interesting. Awful team last year, though. They play Idaho, um, Western Kentucky, then at Cincinnati. That's kind of a respectable game, Cincinnati. Obviously a, a good team for them. Let's say Purdue for the old Oaken Bucket. I don't think Indiana's going to be anything to write home about as well. Um, you know, I think Tom Allen, <laughs> bad. <laughs> Maryland, Buffalo, uh, Charlotte 49ers and SMU. SMU is kind of interesting. They've had a couple of good years here. Uh, for them, we'll say their last game, Rutgers' little, little East Coast rivalry there um, could be to get to a bowl game. Michigan. Yeah, talk about a big yawn. Their first four games, home against Colorado State, home against Hawaii, home against UConn, who probably shouldn't even have a football program, home against Maryland. It doesn't get any easier than that. Of course, no. they have a, and they have eight home games. Hawaii, they'll probably play at noon Eastern, eight too. Eight home games for the Wolverines this year. Interesting. Uh, for them, biggest game, Michigan State, because they've lost two in a row. It's at home. They want payback. Not going to happen. Oh, and by the way, Michigan's defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, going back to the Ravens to become their defensive coordinator, brother John said, here, you can have him. And then he took him right back. Yeah, Jim may be going to the Raiders anyway. He's odds on favorite. Maybe that's based why. On the sports Who books. Who knows? Yeah, Michigan State. 
Uh, we talked about last week, obviously, biggest game, probably Michigan. Um, you know, respectable schedule for them. Um, Ohio State, I think they have the most intriguing non-conference game here. Notre Dame, home, first week, big game. Arkansas State as well, Toledo. For them, they're going to circle that big M on the schedule. Home game, lost to them last year, hadn't lost to them in forever. They want payback, um, and they're going to be pissed. Penn State. Opens the season with Purdue, like I said. Um, home against Ohio um, at Auburn. That's kind of intriguing, even though Auburn's not great necessarily. And then home against Central Michigan for them, biggest game. We'll say Michigan State to end the year. You know, it could be a the difference between you know an eight and four, or a nine and three, and a ten and two. Who knows? Um, and then Rutgers at Boston College. I can't I don't even know what logo. It looks like Wagner, maybe. I don't even know. Uh, and then Temple on the road. So kind of, I mean, two tough East Coast road games, I guess, ish. ish. Yeah. You know, for BC, Butters. not a bad Boston old, College, big old, old, old Big East matchup there. Um, but yeah, I mean, for them, we'll say Maryland, because that could be another, you know, swing game to get into a bowl game. So we'll and see. And fun fact, breaking news, not like breaking as in hot off the presses necessarily, but first broken news that I saw today is that. It's a very realistic possibility that to coincide with probable CFP expansion here soon, that the Big Ten is going to go divisionless as early as 2023, which I personally think is a great thing to do. They've got some different options there. I think you should just have three protected games every year, and then they could rotate um, five other games. You know, two years on, two years off. You know, to hit the other games, the other ten games, and the ten teams in the schedule. Um, and then that would also allow them by going back to eight conference games to kind of work in the alliance with the ACC and the Pac-12. So keep an eye on that. Um, that'll probably torque with the schedule a little bit for sure. Um, you know, and if they don't do that, they really do need to look at realigning the divisions because it's pretty clearly four great teams in the East between Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan, and Penn State, and one and a half-ish in Wisconsin and Iowa in the West. And it's just imbalance, right? Playing a a not great three-loss West Division champion doesn't do the Big Ten any good in the Big Ten championship game. So uh, keep an eye on that. All right, moving to around the world spot number five, which will be golf probably from here on out. Been a great last couple of days. We've booked two great trips already, Arcadia Bluffs in May, Forest Dunes in June. We'll have glowing and fun reports on those courses. But let's focus on the farmers. Got a couple questions for you, Ryan. We'll make this segment quick this time. Not a ton to talk about. First of all, is Tory on your bucket list? Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt, it's beautiful. Beautiful there in San Diego. Great course north and south. Muni would love to go out there and play that. Um, st- tournament started today. We obviously first recorded this podcast last night. Tournament started today because of the AFC Championship game Sunday on um, CBS. So they moved it to a Wednesday, Saturday, which would be kind of fun. But um let me ask this. Is this really when you start to get into kind of the golf season after the Amex? I mean, the Hawaii stuff's fun to watch, but is this yeah, when you this start is, to watch This more? is where it gets really, you know, it starts being on CBS almost every weekend aside from like, you know, I mean, even the Super Bowl weekend will be back on Phoenix, the Waste Management. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, now it's where, when it gets real, you know, the this is the kind of the last, you know, Farmers, then we got the AT&T at Pebble, which is always amazing, then the Waste, and then like, it gets like you go Riviera. Genesis, and then we go out back east. We go to the Florida swing. We play those mm-hmm. four, you know, play Texas. Then we got the Masters coming up. I mean, it's less than it's almost two months away. It really is. I We're know, getting it's crazy. close. It's crazy. It's crazy. 
All right, so last weekend we had no blood in our new contest, which is, you know, best cumulative finished position or lowest cumulative finished position. Neither of our guys made the cut last week. No, three In a three-round cut, neither guy made it. So that tells you how far off we were last week. Um, My two guys this week, I got Xander, who was, I think, minus four or five today at plus 1,700. And then I've got Frozone, Tony Finau. He was right there. I think I've got them flipped. I think Frozone was plus or was minus five, and and Xander was minus four. Um, Billy Horschel's in the lead, shot nine under today. I'm presuming maybe on the North Course that's a little easier than the South, but still. Totally. And then I had uh, Higgs, little side bet Higgs to finish in the top thirty. He's got some work to do. Um, yeah, he played North. All right, so Ryan, who are your two guys for this weekend? Yeah, I've got Sam Burns, a guy who uh, finished second well there last year, played well, five under par. Good start. You know, he had a great, great 2021. I uh, stayed hot. Um, so he's on He's on my team this week. And then Aaron Wise, West Coast guy from Oregon. Oregon Duck there. Um, five unders well today. Went low, long pretty shot, low. Yeah. A bit of a long shot. But, you know, he's proven he can play. And he's a Callaway guy. I always, always respect the Callaway guys. That's right. All right. So that is golf for this week. That is around the world for this week. Let's finish as we always do with a sprint. First free throw line, Ryan. The Winter Olympics start later next week. Do you care? Um, yeah, I mean, I do. I think it's fun to watch some of the stuff, you know, like the the skiing, you know, with the jumps, and then like the the half pipe pipe with the with the snowboarding. I think that's pretty cool. And then hockey. Um, even though I don't think that NHL is really playing in it anymore. I prefer honestly. that it's amateurs, actually. So that'll be a good thing. All right, um, half court. On the topic of best shooters, give me the best Michigan State University basketball shooter you've ever seen. Bryn Forbes. Close. Uh, Drew Neitzel is probably up there as well. Yeah. I mean, you've seen a lot of good ones. Chris Hill is another good one. He was one of your favorites early on. Opposite free throw line. If you could caddy for any pro for one weekend, who would it be? Oh, that's a tough question. Uh, I mean, Phil would be awesome. I mean, but maybe someone like... Like DJ or, or Spieth or someone that's like, DJ would just be so simple. He'd just be like, yeah, man, let's go, whatever. I'll just hit the ball. And then Spieth is so like, dr- like thinks about everything. Like, oh, what what if the wind blows this way? You know, just, it'd just be interesting to hear what they have to say. All right. And opposite baseline and back. The Williams sisters recently had a movie. There was the Kurt Warner movie that came out around Christmas, which I need to see. Shout out to Kurt. I got to spend a lot of time with him for three years when he was a spokesperson back in my days at Amway. Um, but log a lot of time on the G5, just Kurt and I breaking down NFL film, which is awfully fun, so I got to go see his movie. But those are really kind of the first sports movies to come out in a while. Ryan, what's the next athlete, event, team, etc. in sports that needs a movie? Uh, yeah, that's a tough question. Um, you know what? I, I think I, I said it. Well, I'd say UMBC, you know, show the shocker, you know, the, the Hoosiers-like win, the the small school being the number one overall seed. I, I got nothing else. Yeah, no, I think that's a good one. All right, so for me, Winter Olympics, you know, I like the Summer Olympics better. It's always kind of fun to watch. I prefer it when it's in, you know, the our hemisphere. So it's not like tomorrow's results today type of thing. But still, you know, I'll watch. I'm a sucker for the bobsled I've always been. I don't know why. It's just cool four-man bobsled is just fun to me to watch. I'm always intrigued by the downhill skiing. Just the pace, the speed, the skill, the ability that they have. 
And believe it or not, women's hockey, U.S., Canada have an incredible rivalry. And, I mean, there's not very many other teams that can compete with them, honestly, but that's usually some really good hockey. Um, on the topic of best shooters, for me, best shooter I ever saw in person at Michigan State, period, Sean Respert. Um, just ice water in his veins. Filler. Dude, just he just could shoot. I mean, flat out an amazing shooter. Um, if I could caddy for any pro for one weekend, who would it be? I got to go. It's Either for me, it's going to be Phil or Ricky. And both of them are going to be Rick fun. Be and I think that's part of the reason why they're going to be chill, going to have some laughs, going to learn a little bit. Could be an up and down roller coaster ride with some crazy trick shots and that kind of stuff. So I, it's going to be one of those two guys for me. And sp- next sports movie that needs to be made. This has already been a, written as a book, but the 2003-2004 St. Anthony's basketball team. It's a small Catholic high school in the middle of a rough Jersey City neighborhood. Um, just the school is primarily consists of inner city students. Barely has enough funding to stay open. Legendary coach Bob Hurley of you know father of Bobby Hurley and UConn coach Danny Danny Hurley. Um, just a little bit that I researched and read about that sounds like that is a movie for the making. It's kind of it's not really Hoosiers per se because they get some pretty great talent that comes in there, but just like I think some of the stories would be great, kind of maybe Friday Night Lights ish um, for those who like that TV series, which my wife and I just wrapped up. Even though yes, it's about ten years old. Fantastic show if you haven't watched it or go back and watch it again. All right, Ryan, give us a little bit of a social media wrap. Yeah, just uh, final score 35 on Twitter. That's all you got to know from me. Keep giving us stuff, what you want to hear. Appreciate you guys. Yep, weigh in with us, so on and so forth. Shout out to our uh, sponsor, long-term sponsor, Team Anders Realtors. If you have West Michigan realty needs, go to teamanders.com. Jim, Donna, Tim, team, they will help you. They will set you up. They've set a lot of our friends up. They've set us up. They've set other family up. Um, fantastic people, great to work with. They know what they're doing. Meantime, as Kurt Warner once said, sometimes you got to do what you got to do until you can do what you want to do.